sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? Griff back for another episode of the Beer Engine podcast. Your very best friend here again. I know I am your best friend. You're the only voice you hear all week while you're, you know, locked underground uh, in solitary, I assume. Uh, no one, no, not even the guards coming around to womp your ass to give you the feeling of human contact. But I'm back with you. You can always count on me. Um, and also with me, always, as usual, my intrepid co-host. He is about to be uh, announced, not to, again, as always, put a timestamp on this, but tomorrow he'll be announced as the time person of the year. It is Tony. Tony, congrats. Big news for you. Look, it's, it's great to be up there with like a bunch of random people that mean nothing. Osama bin Laden, George Bush, Donald Trump. Um, Hitler. Hitler. Who can forget Hitler? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in there. Probably a Curie or something, maybe. I don't know how old the magazine is. Was Sam Calagione one of them in there? Was he Was he mixed into the Time Man of the Year one year? That is the... the Who is the... Uh, <laughs> Sam Adams guy? Was he in there one of these, you know? Well... Famous beer, Time Man of the Year. Who would be the most famous beer man of the year? Or Lifetime Achievement Award? Who would that go to? Would it go... To like this, like a more niche person, like a Sam Caligione, or would it go to like a Fritz Maytag, or would it would it go all the way back to Augustus Bush? If you were going to say, there's one name that that two percent of people recognise out of the general public in the beer world, what would that name mm-hmm. be? If we had to pick a beer lifetime achievement award, that would be somebody alive, right? Right now, I think you'd want to pick somebody alive in the in the yep. high end beer world. Right, it's Garrett Oliver, right? Is it Garrett Oliver? I, I think Garrett Oliver's right. Um, I, because he's the one that's done the most as far as mainstream support. I'm not sure whether he's done late night appearances, but for some reason I think that um, he's, he's pushed beer forward outside of just beer culture. Um, he's located in the major population hub of New York, which is important, not not just beer centres of California. I think Garrett Oliver is the correct choice there, to be honest. Um, or, or it's, um, or it's like, uh, it's like the scumbag Steve guy from the meme. Cause I think that's the guy in all the pastry stout lines. It's scumbag Steve. I think nobody, nobody is, has uh, empowered the beer nerd, like the scumbag Steve meme. I think that's, that's what they all look like. And they've all got um, hazy IPA and pastry stout in each of their hands while milling about. Um, no, I can't think of anyone. I mean, I, Garrett Oliver, I think, I mean, if you could go into, I think Michael Jackson, right? Not the pedo, Michael Jackson. Well, he's not a known pedo, Michael Jackson, but um, <laughs> I don't think he was on the flight. I don't think, I don't think no. our Michael Jackson was on the, was on the flight logs or anything, but uh uh, I think he, um, he he had a cellar at Little St. James. <laughs> wow. Uh, taking this too far, but he was pretty good, yeah. Does Michael Jackson get enough credit for what he did in sort of the the what was we can now say as the burgeoning years of, of beer exploding? He was a guy that was doing it when there was essentially five breweries in America, but he was also 
He was the first guy I ever saw drink a, a goose. He was seeking out these Belgian beers and he never sort of took a shit on any of the new styles, which would have been easy for an old beer writer to do. He, and he was the first one that sort of said beer isn't just what we're drinking now, just a, a, a golden fizzy thing. And so I'm not sure whether he gets the um, applause that, that he's deserved because um, he really was a guy that, not to the general public, but to beer nerds, actually exploded what beer could be. And I think it's, um, I think his impact will be as big as your Fritz Maytags, your um, Ken Grossman's, even your Garrett Oliver. Sure. I, th- I think I think Michael Jackson, even though he hasn't been with us for some time, had as big an impact as th- those people. If you go anywhere that opened in the 90s, you'll see him referenced a lot. But if you go anywhere that opened after, you know, 2003, I mean, it's it that all that's gone, right? And it's just, it's short-term memory, right? I mean, we all have a, the shortest-term memory possible, right? And uh, But uh, him and, um, you know, Charlie Papazian and all those guys who were sort of on the very front end of the, of the culture were... Those guys still are out there. I mean, Michael Jackson obviously is not, but Papazian still is, and he's tweeting and stuff, you know. Um, and uh, that, uh, you know, and that and right after them is the Garrett Oliver, Greg Cook, yep. uh, uh, Caligione, Caligione, Caligione whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'll never Caligula. be able to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, Caligula. Um, all those guys, and uh, what Larry Bell, right? All those guys are right right behind there. Um, and, but all those guys are, are old news now. Right. So you're, I mean, that's, it's sort of tough to make an assessment with that. To be fair, I would say the, uh, the man, the, the beer man of the year is actually probably the guy who uh, got fired five seconds after trying to unionize Surly. That's probably the most, that's probably up there with the most impactful things that have happened in beer well, you in, know- in 20, uh, in 2020. Using the criteria that that magazine often sets forth, that you are actually 100% right. He is not only the sort of lamppost, but he is the symptom of what has happened within the beer industry. Right. It's, it's, exactly. It's the struggle that, that um, beer has between um, sort of wanting to expand and a pandemic going on at the same time and... It's about PR and what is good PR, what is bad PR, and how much is PR re- good PR really worth? And it's not worth as much as as non-unionized workers. I think that's fair to say. I don't think Surly's bottom line would have been impacted as much by the protest as it as it would have been if he had been able to unionize. And and that's a sad fact. I think. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I saw a brace of ale came back the other day, and I love that beer, but uh, I have decided uh, probably I could just get a different double IPA. There's lots of double IPA out there these days, huh? Are you sure? I feel like there's only two or three double IPAs out there. Yeah, there's I, I haven't – I lately I have not had any trouble digging up a double IPA. I can't seem to get away from the damn stuff. It comes to my doorstep. It, uh, it's at the bottle shop. I can't, I can't get away from – from double IPAs. Abrasive is more like a, um, maybe a, a more, I don't want to say West coast, but a translucent IPA, I guess. Um, you don't see a ton of those anymore, but there's still more than enough. I'm not too worried about getting, um, you know, whatever, some Sierra Nevada 
double IPA or torpedo or whatever shouldn't be an issue. I was just going to say torpedo is a OG beer. It's one that even a couple of years ago I used to get occasionally and still think it stood up. But I think with everything that's happening sort of with that that neo-traditional um, double IPA, I'm not sure whether it would stand up. I haven't had it in, say, three years um, because we're getting some, or at least I am, I'm sure you're the same, getting some really nice interpretations of even a West Coast double IPA that are not, not haste-driven that are almost pills in the clear in, in their, their profile. And I think they've overtaken something as old school as Torpedo. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I think the, it's a classic. Absolutely probably goes all over the world too. And I think, to be fair, we both know that if we had to vote for a man of the year, we would both pick Yeppy Yarnett Beerg, so just for his advances in the naming of beer. So maybe, hey, you know what, Tony? That's a great idea. Maybe we should do, not to not to brainstorm on the show, but how about we pull off a end-of-the-year beer awards in a couple of weeks, huh? We've been looking for some fucking content. We can't, <laughs> we can't come up with anything good, so... That's a little preview for the exciting discussion you can look forward to uh, at some point before the end of the year when Tony and I do our annual, uh, you know, insert name here. You know, I don't know. The drippies. I don't know. What the hell do you call them? (laughs) The drip prize. Yeah, the drip train. Perfect. Uh, so we'll we'll be we'll be calling we'll be uh we'll be calling out the nominees over the next couple of weeks um, or something maybe who knows if I recall if I remember to to do it. Um, hey Tony, I did want to uh, give a quick pr- beginning of the show shout out um, for our Discord uh, channel gang. If you guys want to get on our Discord server. Uh, give us a shout over email or on Instagram or on Twitter. We've, we've been doing some little, you know, kind of quick fire type pub get togethers. Uh, we did one on, um, on Friday last week where we, we just sort of hung out at like a happy hour time. Everybody cracked a beer, chit chatted for a while. Didn't really get into anything much beyond that, but, uh, that was a nice time I thought, and we'll be doing that stuff, you know, every week or so ish, you know, whenever we feel like it and we'll post on Instagram when we're going to do it, but just uh, get in the channel and you'll be the first to know. So give us a shout about that. I would say I wasn't uh, cracking a beer. It, the virtual pub was a little early for me. I wasn't going to crack a beer at 9am. Mm. So uh, while I enjoyed the conversation, it was good to chat, caught up with Jay Rome um, and a few others. Um, it, it was an excellent time, but it was a little too early to have a beer. Yeah, maybe maybe where you are. Uh, we weren't having any trouble in taking them down here. Uh, I think me and Kelly both took down two or three in that uh, in that <laughs> short period while you were eating your oats or or you no, know, you're eating your Vegemite and your coffee. Yeah. Um, speaking of our friends there, though, we did get some outreach this week about our show last week, which um, uh, our friend uh, W Tudes Tyler he. Um, said uh, he enjoyed our five-minute conversation last week about nuts, which I have no recollection of, of course, as, as is well documented here that I am zapped with the men in black uh, little doodad after we get done here. Uh, and it brought him back to his good old freshman year of college at U of I. Boy, don't we all remember that. That was a great time we had there together, Tyler, um, with, when he would eat nuts out of his uh, fanny pack during rehearsals. A thing that definitely happened. While I know drum corps is the major sport at the U of I, what is the major sport there? Are they a football school or 
Are they a basketball school or are they a lacrosse school? What's the deal? Well, we were a basket. We were a basketball school when I was there because we went to the Final Four, and then uh, I guess we are again because they beat Duke yesterday. Um, I had to go to the football games. We won four football games in four years. We are very bad in, at football. Uh, we're too Midwest to have lacrosse. We're too poor to have lacrosse. Uh, only, the only school with lacrosse around here is Northwestern, and we know why. It's white. Um, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we don't really have lacrosse. I'm trying to remember what I – mean, we had gymnastics and wrestling and all that you know, normal Big Ten shit that you would have, so – so yeah, no, uh, we we were at me and me and Tyler definitely uh, hung out a lot together my freshman year of college. <laughs> it all really happened, and I'm not making any of this up. Uh, we also got a note from J Rome, and J Rome uh, had a comment on your big wall of deeds beer. Um, he thought all your beers sounded good there, Tony. You took a picture of all the beers you ordered from Deeds. You're drinking one right now. You're having some Czech Pilsner right now. He said he'd pass on the hold the cream. Uh, I absolutely disagree with that. I would be all about the hold the cream. It sounds like it's a thick boy IPA. I'm it on is. top of that all day. Now, he might have thought there was lactose in it. That's the only thing I can think of unless he's got a thing against oats. But the hold the cream was that it's a thick boy but without any lactose in it. Not the, No lactose. Yeah, see, I would have assumed there was not lactose in it. That was yeah. my guess. Yep. But um. That, is that said, uh, I, I'll get I'll get all over the the hazies. I, I believe if I if I know J Rome well, he might just not have liked that it was a double IPA. I'm not sure if that's okay. quite his uh, if that's quite his style. Yep. Well, um, daydreaming in the summer is a bigger beer out of out of the four that are there. That's perhaps the biggest beer. I think it comes in at almost nine percent, and that's a double dry hop hazy. So, yeah, that is a, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the outstanding one out of the three that I've, I've tried, including what I'm drinking right now, is the Blueberry and Raspberry Imperial Cream Sour. They know how to do gloop. some gloop. Although this was clear gloop, so I don't know whether you can call it gloop. It still had that really thick mouthfeel, but it was you could see through it, and it was a, a quite um, like raspberry soda, if you've had raspberry soda. Is that a thing? Yeah, in the states, yeah. So that bright red, with with bubbles, no head to speak of, but but has a good dose of lactose in it. Really, really delicious. So that sounds good. I I would advise any of our Gloop fans out there, especially our Gloop fans out there, to get to get yourselves into our Discord server, where I am just posting pictures of Gloop. Um, that is actually mainly my con- my only contribution to the channel is uh, our channel called Gloop City, where I just post Gloop pictures. There's there's our friend. My buddy, my buddy, the pastry bot. He's in there, too. Um, we're, we're working on some pastry bot uh, photos here, too. But we are heavy on the Gloop in the server. So if you want to see the various Gloops I'm drinking, you can't see through them. They pour like um, <laughs> Jumex fruit, fruit nectar, if you're familiar with that stuff. Tony, no, I don't know if you've no. heard of Jumex fruit nectar. Are you familiar with fruit nectar? I am. Is that something you're yes, familiar we, with? Yes, we have yeah, fruit nectar. Yeah, whatever. Jumex is just the kind of the more popular brand. It just has that very like sheeting mouthfeel, if that's the that's the only way I can do it. like when you pour it out of the can, you know, it's, it sort of sheets out of the can. It like pours thick, like, like uh, motor oil kind of thing. Yes, that's a great way to describe it, yes. So these poured exactly like that um, and just sort of 
settle with fruit solids all over your cup. So uh, get excited to look at pictures of that. So get on our discord, look at our uh, bad uh, beer pictures and, you know, talk about the show with us. We will, we will field your insults. We want it. Give it to us. Um, now, while we're talking beer, what was the best thing you had to drink this week? What, what was your, mm. your standout? Cause I, I spoke that out of mine, it would be the, the milk bar series, blueberry and raspberry beer that I had really delicious beer. But what, what's your standout beer that you had during the week? Boy, um, I'm, I'm going to at least talk about this beer because I'm not sure if it was the very best thing I had, but it is probably the most like, uh, uh, I don't know, just the it's the it's the weekly burial. <laughs> and we just have to talk about what was in the weekly burial this week. Maybe we should just make this its own segment because I'm not sure it was it's it was a um, it probably wasn't the best thing I had. It was good. Um, it was an imperial stout. It was called uh, the blasphemous laminated lambasting nonsensicalness. Love it. And you'll know why it was laminated because it was an imperial stout with fresh baked croissants and chocolate. So that's your laminate. Had the lamination. Yep, gotcha. Uh, as as anyone who's watched British Baking Show knows, they know a ton about lamination now. Uh, it was a collaboration with a local uh, bakery in True Brewing, which is in Denver, which is a great brewery. And, uh, yeah, it just had a ton of chocolate. I, I hate to mention it, but I really didn't get a lot of croissant out of it. I don't know if croissant tea has much flavor, but it's hard to hard to pinpoint the flavor of croissant in a 15% imperial stout. Um, but a ton of chocolate, ton of baker's chocolate. Uh, it was very, very tasty. Um, I really, really, I really, really liked it. If I had to pick a best beer, and I've been in big, it's big stout season here. We're, we're all about stout right now. It was actually from my buddy Nick, who had dropped off. I uh, he he went down to Normal and picked up some Dosadania, which is the the big imperial stout by a brewery called Distill. It was an orange chocolate rye version of their imperial stout, and it was very very good. And it is not getting a huge rating on Untapped, but it had straight up old fashioned vibes. It was very very good. Do you think that's because of the rye? Because rye is really hit and miss within beers, and I. I think oranges as well. People sort of sleep on that and you're either, either a big fan of it, which I am. I've, I've done orange beers in the past. I, I even like you like orange-flavoured wit beers. I know they're, they're, they're sort of passe, but I'm a big fan of those. And it's got some really divisive ingredients. It's still – I think you're right if you rate this towards the upper end of the scale by the sounds of it. It sounds like it's right in my wheelhouse, but – Rye is particularly off-putting for a lot of people. They don't like that that sort of spiciness that that rye gives it. Oh man! So it was rye whiskey barrels, and it had rye in the bill. Also, um, it was very spicy. It had a big barrel bite. I, I mean, it had straight. I mean, like drinking an old-fashioned, a nice hot old-fashioned. Uh, yep vibes to it you know it was uh and lots of orange i guess more orange than you might get in a normal old-fashioned you know it's heavy orange like as if you used like orange bitters or something i love that though i didn't mind it it was you know orange bitters and swab the orange on the glass and twist the orange in there all that at once um plus a nice punch of chocolate flavor so um it reminded kelly and i of a cocktail i had a handful of years ago at a restaurant called sepia um, in Chicago. And it was a, um, like an Oaxacan chocolate 
infused whiskey to make an old fashioned Ooh, nice. um, or infused bourbon. It was really good. And this maybe wasn't as like cinnamon spicy, but there was yeah. enough spice from the rye that sort of gave it that warmth. You know what I mean? I um, do. Yeah. And that, that's probably the too nerdy, too nerdy. I went too nerdy on this <laughs> beer, but very tasty beer. Sometimes you've got to nerd out. Now we're both consuming a beer during today's show. What are you just finishing off right now? <laughs> Polish that off, yeah. Um, it was delicious. It was some other half. Um, we got an other half drop here recently in Chicago. I only bought two cans because, I don't know, they're IPA to me. Burial, burial is really destroying my IPA palate. But um, they're, they're really high-end stuff at other half. Still gets me. And uh, this was good. It was the double mosaic daydream. So just a full-on mosaic assault like tastes like peaches essentially uh i love it peaches without the tartness um superb very very nice what about you tony you got that pills right now what i want it i do i have the nasdravi or that's as close as i'm going to get it's also part of my deeds order so if you want to check that out check it out on instagram um it is a classic what used to be called bohemian pilsner so not a German pills. This is this is thicker. This is bringing more malt, but it's also bringing a lot more hops to the party in a good way. Not an over the top. Nothing, nothing new world about it. This is like this is SARS, even though there's no SARS in it. Motueka is SARS, just grown in a different continent or a different hemisphere. It is True. really good, um, old school hop flavor, but. Yeah, none of the problems you have when you hop um, with SARS to this this sort of level. And this is one, I was going to hold this over until Christmas. I'm not sure whether I want to now. It is a really good beer to drink fresh, and I think it's canned at the right time. And I don't know what your thoughts are on holding even even Pilsner's over for, what are we, 10, 10 days away at this point? Oh, no. We're 15 days away well, from the day of recording. Um, I'm not sure whether that hop character will drop off. We're 10 days away. Wink. Uh, Tony, if we were actually 10 days away, I wouldn't mind. Uh, if, if we get to 16 days away, I, I it's not that I wouldn't wait. It's that I just can't, right? I just, I'm not looking at Pilsner <laughs> in my fridge and saying like, well, I just I, like I just have it. I don't know. It just goes away. That's why I I tend to buy very local Pilsner because it disappears very quickly. Yep. Um, I just drink I drink one every day, pretty much. I mean, not to sound like a total drunk. I guess one beer a day probably doesn't make me sound like a drunk, but I uh, I do pretty much have a Pilsner every day at four thirty. So um, now, never fails. Uh, I'm not always a fan of the uh, big sixteen ounce cans for every kind of beer that we have. But it really is the perfect size can for a Pilsner. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I like that extra size with a Pilsner. It's only coming yeah. in at exactly five percent, and it's yeah fills up a glass nicely. It's all all fine to me. I like twelve ounce cans. I like twelve ounce bottles. I like the sixty ounce cans. I don't know. Pilsner is one of those beers that any size it comes in is fine. I don't want hazy IPA in a twelve ounce can. I want yes. a sixteen ounce can yep. of hazy IPA because I want to share it pretty much. Uh, sharing a 12 ounce can of hazy IPA is just unsatisfying to me, <laughs> you know, um, I need those extra two ounces, but, uh, I, I, I'm fine with, with, with any volume you want to give me a Pilsner. I actually like drinking. I probably right after I finish this water, 
I'm going to crack a 12 ounce container, 12 ounce package of, of lager because I don't want a full 16 before, uh, I'm not going to finish it before we get done or get close. So it's, uh, you know, a, a beer for every occasion. That's what I say, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll find a way to make it work. You know, just get it, get it into the package and don't get it infected. And I'll, I'll find a way to, to take care of your lager. Put it in one of them monster cans that I drank that Rocky Road beer out of. I don't give a shit. You know, I'll drink, I'll drink that much Pilsner. I don't care. Can't stop me. I'll take a challenge any day uh, with a with a stag or something. I don't care. Um, we need to get you one of those glass boots that um, Badlands Chug has used from time to time. Oh, Badlands Chugs. And just fill it I with, love Badlands like, Chugs. with some craft Pilsner. I reckon that'll be the way to do it to go a glass boot full of heliostat i'm not much of a chugger but i will just drink the amount you put in front of me that's that's one problem i have with my health is like if it's there i mean this is a drum core thing actually right if if it's uh, we, the way you would eat it was just like the food's all there is eating it you know and then you're like oh it's gone i don't know whatever um <laughs> if you just put if you put a giant beer in front of me i'll sit there forever and drink it it won't matter I won't chug it. I'll just drink it. And then eventually I'll be done with it. I don't know. Uh, you put the, give me the Homer Simpson giant can of Foster's and I'll eventually take care of it. I don't know. Um, now the problem with Badlands or the well, the problem with me in Badlands is I, I could never. Have you watched his tutorial videos, Tony? I recommend that to anybody to watch his tutorial on how to chug like Badlands. It's, it's remarkable. I have not. Is there a lot of technique involved or is it just a lot of practice? Well, I'm going to say it's technique practice and we'll say to be kind, God-given talent. Um, it's, <laughs> there's a lot I'm missing, a lot I'm missing from what Badlands has uh, physically and mentally. Uh, I, don't, I do not possess the, uh, the necessary tools to, to pull off a Badlands chug. Um, he's just gift, he's gifted in every way. He's a great presence on screen. He's a, a large man, and he's a uh, he's got a talent. I mean, that's all I can say, you know. And he's got his breathing exercises, which I absolutely love. Um, it's 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 a miracle. And watch him chug the boot of gravy. It's very good too. If you haven't seen that, I have not seen that. That's pretty. That pre- sounds pretty like unpleasant. a lot of, lot of sodium. It actually reminds me to give you a recommendation on Netflix. You've probably seen it. But We Are the Champions is a limited mm. series that is really good. Um, yeah, the standouts that, yeah. are the Wheel of Cheese and the Chili episode for me. They're the two Boy, the Wheel episodes. of Cheese thing was something, huh? Hey, that guy, that poor girl broke her arm or whatever. It was awful. <laughs> but she won, so. Like, yeah. All right. I mean. <laughs> compared to the NFL, that, that's. A reasonable injury. That's a good point, right? People are breaking people are breaking their arm and going 0 and 16, you know, so that's not bad. Um Tony, I did uh for two weeks in a row we're gonna do a, a fan favorite segment. I wanted to jump over because I have some new hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. All right. This is gonna be some um this is gonna be a little bit of old news by this point, but uh I, I know we've probably talked about this in this segment many times now, but the Bourbon County Stout, Tony. People love the Bourbon County Stout. They are talking about it. You love the Bourbon County Stout. I also enjoy it. 
I do. I do love it. And uh, I actually drank one of my variants the other day. We talked about the Caramella last week, I think. We did. Um, we talked about I nuts. drank this. I, and I drank the special number four this week, and I thought it was just okay, honestly. Um, not particularly distinct. It had coffee and maple syrup were the adjuncts, and I really didn't get a, a prevalent amount of either. And in fact, not a ton of barrel either. So sort of over kind of a over three on the things I really wanted to taste out of that. Uh, it tasted good. I mean, it wasn't unpleasant to drink. It just really didn't deliver on the punch of flavor. I was, I was, um, I was, I was Paul Hollywood eating a key lime pot and taste enough like lime. You know, I was looking for that pop. I was looking for that little bite, that little back of the back of the throat, back of the tongue, bourbon bite, coffee bite. Wasn't getting it. Well, it's too bad. Haven't they painted themselves into a corner with their pricing model? With making every variant so much more than the base beer, it makes it really hard to to justify that extra cost. And if it's not bringing something like the Caramella does, um, can you justify that price? Because while you've got maple syrup and you've got coffee and you're paying an extra four, five, six, eight dollars a bottle more. I'm not sure what the special reserve number four Tw- was. Twelve dollars, probably. Probably, tw- probably twenty. Probably twenty-two dollars. I think was the special number four officially. I bought it all in a big set, so I didn't really care about the individual bottle pricing. But yeah, yeah. But if you're going to do that, that skewed pricing model, those variants really need to be bringing the pain and be bringing something more than than what that base beer does. And it sounds to me like it was as good, maybe slightly better than the base beer, but can't justify how they're tagging that beer. No, not as good as the base beer, I would argue. Not, wow. Not, didn't deliver to me on the as to even what the base. The base beer hits you with the barrel real nice this year. Um, this just It was just a little bit you know, even too, too even keeled. It was, it was, it was like eating a, what this is, this is, it's like eating a Wendy's hamburger. You're like, okay, this give me everything I expected. Yep. You know, yeah. fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- this is not some artisanal like smash burger that it's the same ingredients. Yeah. It's just done so much better. And I can justify spending a couple of dollars more on it. It's like Wendy's is an average fast food takeaway burger. And, and you're getting an average takeaway Goose Island beer, really. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, so speaking of the uh, of the Reggie, the Reggie, as they as they call it, the kids call it these days on the Facebooks. Do they? Um, you're hanging out with me. No, a lot well, of no, kids. it's the old. It's the old. <laughs> it's the old men on the. Uh, we'll talk more about these guys. It's the old men on the Facebook groups. They're the the Reggies. Um, so Goose Island pulled a little a Wrigley trick, as our friend. Uh, uh, don't drink beer calls it. Um, he, they, they pulled a special variant out of their hat that we did not know existed. And it's not really a variant so much as it's some hidden Easter egg bottles that they've, they've kind of dropped around town. Um, essentially what happened was, um, we have actually four types of regular is what we learned recently after they released. We have four different regulars. Explain this to me. I'm not really understanding this. If it's a regular, it's a regular. So how can there be four types of regular? Well, all right, good point. But let's see here. So what we expect regular to be is uh, essentially they have lots of different barrels, right? And they to make this much beer, they don't specific, they don't lock in on one barrel 
provider. So they, and, and a lot of, a lot of companies do this, right? They get barrels from, you know, Heaven Hill, old, uh, Wild Turkey, uh, Old Forester, Buffalo Trace, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam. I know Jim Beam is huge with Revolution, and that sounds crazy, but, I mean, it makes good bourbon barrel-aged beer. I mean, it's fine bourbon, right? Beam, it's not, well, Beam orig- white label is maybe whatever, but Beam makes other good bourbons, I believe, if I, if I don't, if I recall. but it, um, it does, but a barrel isn't bringing the same thing that it does to a generic bourbon than it is to beer and you're looking right, for different exactly. things out of that barrel and and maybe Jim right. Beam leaves a lot of life in the barrel so it's not about right, picking exactly. the most expensive expensive bourbon to put the most expensive beer into it's finding the right match sure so they got all these barrels and typically with regular you're expecting a blend of barrels that has been optimized to provide the best flavor right so they've you know, th- that's why I've always said this about making great barrel beer. It's not just about the craftsmanship. It's about tasting. It's just like yep. being a good chef. You got to know how to eat the food. <laughs> you got to know what tastes good or else you're probably not going to be a good chef. So uh, they do all this. They blend them all together. They say, okay, some of this one, some of these ones, some of those ones, some of these ones, and they pour it all in a big vat and they stir it up and they put it in the bottles. Well, uh, what they also did now apparently was they made four different versions of that blend and three of them are single distillery okay blends so they have a so they on the back they have like the born on date or whatever it's not a born on date that's budweiser but whatever it is like the best buy date and they have um the best buy date which is the date you have to return it to best buy it's your warranty it's a it's a little date on there and then it's got a code probably the date it was bottled and then at the end it has either three, either two letters, which signify the distillery, or it has nothing, which signifies that it's the blend, a big blend up. So they have ones that say BT, they have ones that say WT, and they have ones that say HH, and they have ones that don't say anything. So then all of a sudden, they created some demand out of nowhere, right? So now all of a sudden, people don't just need two bottles of, of regular or or their usual six bottles are regular, they have to find six bottles of this one, six bottles of that one, six bottles of this one, and six bottles of the other one. So people are getting on Facebook or they're getting on Twitter and they're telling everyone, like, oh, the Whole Foods in Bannockburn has uh, 36 bottles of Buffalo Trace left and the the Jewel in, in Glenview Heights has 22 bottles of Heaven Hill, you know, and... I mean, you got to be nuts and I'm going to be honest with you. And I know we've talked about, I have ass palate, you know, my palate is booty. It's not good. I, I, Ooh, the food tastes salty. Ooh, the bourbon. I can taste bourbon. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but you couldn't, you could not hold a gun to my fucking head. I would never in a million years, even I would accidentally say the you held a gun to my head. I'm saying wild Hill or something. I'm making up a <laughs> bourbon distillery. If I try to guess the goddamn one, I don't know what it is, but people are getting on Facebook and they are going ham. Tell me that, Oh, you know what? The heaven Hill tastes more cinnamony and the wild Turkey tastes more, uh, bourbony or what? I'm like, what are you doing, oh, dude? Shit. So I just think some horse shit right there. But anyways, <laughs> they all kind of taste the same. I have the wild turkey. It tastes lovely to me. It's got a nice sharpness to it. Just hey, maybe that's wild turkey for you, you know. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's awesome. I 
that is un, that is capitalism at its ultimate uh, performance right there. Creating creating a fake product out of nothing is is absolute dream. I, I love it. It's probably something that they've done for years, and they've just because they're not shipping the beer overseas, they've got a little bit of excess product. Let's let's artificially up the demand, and. I can guarantee that nobody that's saying there's a difference has done a, a blind triangle test to taste these, and that's really the only way to tell. And then you need a large sample to actually get that. This is um, you would need like a really high tech, not high tech, but you're going to need like good palate management if you're going to drink four of these back to back and dis- and distinguish minute differences in the flavor. I mean. <laughs> But my point is that you don't even need to do it between four. You need to do it between two, and one of those beers need to be needs to be poured twice, and then you need to do it blindly to see whether A, right. you can tell a difference, and B, whether that difference um, makes... Is meaningful make, and or yeah, better. Yeah, is meaningful yeah, right, yeah. or better. Because you can almost guarantee that, that once they start getting together a reasonable sample of people we're talking 45 people is what you you really need to get the standard deviations right with all this thing if they've if there's more than um nine people that fail that test the study is useless and i mean that they are failing the first step of that test is there a difference because a lot of people get it wrong and this is something that we saw over and over in homebrew testing there are a lot of myths around homebrewing but they triangle tested them. People couldn't tell the difference. Um, so therefore it invalidated the test a lot of the time and, and the, whatever technique that they were using was worthless or, or it was actually worthwhile not to chill your beer and just stick it in a cube because nobody could taste the difference and brewing a bag was no different to a $5,000 system. These things they actually tested, they, they found that there, w- there was no difference at the end of the day. And because taste is one of the hardest things for us to have a memory of. We think we're really good at, oh God, at, yeah. at telling between these two beers. That's why I don't understand a 6,000-word essay on one beer. Just we, we, no. we, yeah. we can't decipher that. So you, you're, just, you're just being verbose at that point. Go over sixty words, and you're probably being verbose. But when we came up, when when you when you told me the idea you had for this podcast, I was like, "Oh fuck!" You know, I, there is not enough stuff to talk about with the taste <laughs> of beer. Beer tastes like it fucking has for a hundred thousand years, you know, or or in the ballpark, anyways. And uh, we're, we're, everybody does this. People get on. I mean, go on Twitter for one second and look at beer Twitter. It's the dumbest goddamn shit. It puts you to sleep immediately if you're tired. You know, listen to these guys talk for for three hours about the differences between you know six different blends of goos. You know, sure, whatever. I love goos too. I'll drink all the Dree goos you got in the world. I think it tastes great. But to blend sixty two, blend sixty three, blend sixty four, and blend sixty five in front of me, I'll be like, mm, I'm drunk now. You know, it's that's pretty much all you're getting out of me. Yep. Yeah. Yummy. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to tell you beyond that. Now with this stuff, I mean, just like it's this, I don't know if, I mean, I have, I do not have the evidence or the, the, the documentation of this in front of me. I don't remember what the article was, but I, I just remember that they, there was some, somebody blind tested like five sommeliers and they could, 
It was a 50-50 shot if they could tell the difference between red and white wine. Oh, I know for this. God's fucking sake. Like it's <laughs> I know the um How are you telling the difference between these bourbon barrels, yeah. you lunatic? Cuz this is something that's often recounted in home brewing uh, books. And this is why the um the triangle test is is really important because what they're actually doing was blindfolding the sommeliers and or putting red food dye into the white wine. So they, they right, couldn't yeah. actually have a physical um, sort of cue there. And then the sommeliers really struggle. Now, wine is nowhere near as distinctive as beer. I think right. I could tell a sour from a pilsner if okay, it was blindfolded. Yeah, sure. right. Could I tell a pilsner from any other style of lager if I'm blindfolded? I don't think my palate's that good. I'm, I'm not positive I could do it, no. Could I pick I out- could tell a Pilsner from a Saison, I think, you know. Yes. Maybe. Yep. No, you could. I, I, I've had Saison yeah. recently. They're distinct enough with that yeast character, but could you could you tell Tank 7 from DuPont as much as they are very different beers? I don't think I could. Unless I had had them, like, an hour before, maybe 30 minutes before, and somebody said this was this and this is this, and then I went into a room, drank them both, I would say, hell, you might still only have a 50% chance of me getting it right. And if that's the case, then might as well guess, you know? <laughs> so what's the point? I've seen time and time again, and it's not just with beer, people overrate their palates. The, the best example, the best two examples I've got are both cooking shows, both reality cooking shows, and that's Kitchen Nightmares. Gordon Ramsay does the blindfolded oh, yeah. taste test, and they do it on Top Chef. And while there's a talent gap between those two shows, both um, shows show that chefs blindfolded suck at telling what an ingredient is over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And it's not the chef's fault. Nobody's eating blindfolded unless you're actually blind, and, and then that's a different story. But, yeah. Visual cues no, yeah. are important. This is why a Pilsner should be clear, a Calabir, cloudy, yep. a Saison, right. anything in between, a pastry stout it should be black. Don't get me started. There's on a white reason stouts. you have others. There's a reason you have other senses, right? Yes. But here's the thing with the Heaven Hill Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey and Blended, you will not have that visual cue. Those will all be the same. Oh, yes, and you, you know what people are going to do next? You had that visual. Oh, you have cue. the tag. You have the bottle. <laughs> you're just drinking it out of the bottle. Yeah, right. So you could, I mean, and that's frankly fine, right? If you yeah. want to drink it that way and you want to say, I like the Buffalo Trace better because I, hell, it could be any environmental thing. And those things have impact, right? So you might have had Buffalo Trace one at 6 p.m. on a Friday when you just got done with work and you had just gotten paid and you're in a good mood. Then you drank the wild turkey on Sunday after your wife sent the divorce papers and your your kid told told you he hated you or whatever. And you're like, God damn, that Buffalo Trace was so much better than this. You know? <laughs> yep. Fine. Okay. I can't tell you that's wrong or not. You know, I don't know. But uh, and I have stuff like that too, where I remember beers more fondly because of a time and place or a thing I was doing and all that other stuff. You know, that's the case with food that happens with lots of stuff, but don't you dare tell me that I should go to a one shitty jewel over another shitty jewel so that I can buy, you know, whatever it, it's, it's just too close. They are, they are going to be too close. I have the wild Turkey. I think it tastes yummy. 
you find that one, grab it. You see any of the other ones and you like them, grab it. It doesn't matter, I don't think. No, I think you're right there. And it's been another anecdote. This is not real evidence like the triangle test or or the wine where you're blindfolded. But a lot of people enjoy Italian table wine when they're on holiday. They love it. Then they bring those same Italian bottle wines or buy the clean skin versions in America or Australia, and those wines suck. But it's because of the time they were having, and they weren't really caring about the wine and everything that they were eating with it, the new environment, they were loving it, they were on holiday, they were stress-free. No wonder it tastes so much better because taste isn't something that we have in isolation. You brought that up earlier, and I believe that. And, And mood is a factor location is a factor um, and it doesn't have to be a, on top of a mountain to really have it. Have a tap room that's really humming with, with great atmosphere. The beer is going to taste better than than a tap room with one person yeah. in it playing shitty music. Industrial playing some, Park, yeah. Yeah, Industrial Park playing EDM or some shitty singer, songwriter <laughs> rather than a decent jukebox. Yeah, no beer, no beer will ever taste better than the beer you drink on a Sunday afternoon at the picnic tables outside at Jester King. That's, that's as good as it gets, baby. Go get some, go get some of that. Uh, the little Prince beer, the theory, the inspired by like theory, a like 3.1% table beer sit outside in the sun in Austin and looking out over the hill country, knock off like nine wow. of those things. You still won't catch a buzz. Boy, that's a great feeling right there. Doesn't get drink that table beer at home on a cold day. You might say this doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> But because it's 3% table beer. But uh, you know what? When you're there and it's warming up a little bit in the sun, nothing better than that, huh? Um, So, Tony, speaking of our Facebook friends, I wanted wanted to try out a new little bit here. Um, I don't have a name for it yet. If you guys have a name for this and if if you guys like this gag, uh, you know, send us a name. Tell me if I should should name this something funny or if I should just never do this again. But... Um, and just hit us up on email, beer engine, uh, beer engine show at gmail.com. That's right. Um, but I got on Facebook this week. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a couple of these beer groups, Tony, Tony, are you in any sort of beer Facebook group type situations? I am. They're just the generic Australian craft beer forums. They're the two biggest one Australian, Mm -hmm. uh, beer crew reviews, I believe is one of them. And the other one is just Aussie craft beer. Um, so the quality of posting fluctuates from, um, taking pictures of beers, the occasional question, and then the 600 word essay on why this beer is worth 3.2 on their scale out of seven. Of course. So I'm in a few, Tony, I'm in one called the Illinois Indiana beer unit. Um, mostly that one is people, uh, just, taking pictures of the same four stouts from the same three breweries over and over again and saying, damn, damn, (laughs) damn, this is good. Damn. You know, that's all they're doing. And then there's another one called the Illinois. It's like ICBS. I think it's like Illinois craft beer society. And that one just is trade trade bait zone where people are like, you know, Oh, I want, you know, a bottle of uh, prop and I will trade you, you know, four deep stars and two, Cafe Deeths and two straight jackets and four ryeways. And then I'm in there like being like, please give me all your ryeway. You can have all the prop you want. I don't care. Um, and then I recently joined one, Tony, as we know in this, uh, 
on this show. I'm a member of the of the convocate the Horace Convocation, where I get uh, an email every couple of weeks that asks me to spend a hundred dollars on whiskey or potentially stout. Explain what that um, the Horace so for our listeners that may not have have uh, been around early on in the show. Um, I out of the blue entered the lottery to be a part of the the Horace age dales convocation which is like their society membership they own they don't have a tap room they pretty much only sell beer to the society members that's it that's the only way they sell beer and i paid four hundred dollars which sounds insane but i have something good at the end of this segment that might be a little less crazy but i paid 400 bucks with for the 400 bucks i get 12 bottles of very high-end stout and a mug and that's not horrible when you think about it. 12, you know, times, what's that? 12 times 30, you know, that's yeah, 360 bad. and you get the mug. That's not awful for a stout that has, you know, for me, it's just coconut and hazelnut bombs. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what I want. And you also get the exclusive right to spend more money on other crap. So every couple of weeks they send you an email, be like, okay, this is for society members only. Here's a special bourbon barrel aged stout we made. It's $20. And then my dumb ass is like, yes, hook it up. And they're in San Diego. So I have a buddy who picks it up for me and all that stuff. It's, it's fine. Stupid. Something I would have never done, but somebody emailed me and said, Hey, if you're interested. And I was like, fuck it. Sure. I'm sitting at home all day. What do I have to lose? And then I happened to win the, to get in the lottery. So, um, great. So now I'm a member of this and I just found out that we have a Facebook group for this shit. So I was like, well, hell, I'm going to get in there, you know, see what's going on in there. Who's mixing it up in this, in this little special area here. So it's mostly what you'd expect. It's people trying to trade for. So I'm one of, I'm a rare person who is a member of one of these societies. People who (laughs) tend to be a member of a beer society do not tend to be a member of one. They tend to be a member of 20 of them. So they are saying like, okay, I will trade you these bottles from my membership here for your bottles or uh, a combination of my bottles in the Horace membership with the Culling membership with the Bottle Logic membership. <laughs> and I will send that to you because you're on the East Coast and you're in the Equilibrium membership and the Hudson Valley membership. And they are just, they're just moving shit all over the place, right? It's flying everywhere. Um, I am not doing that. I'm in this one. Right. And I'm in my local bottle shops membership where I pay to get a discount pretty much. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> um, so it's very funny to get in there. People are trying to trade, people are moving beer around. It's all these, you know, people you think are up in the higher echelon of beer, you know, I guess the beer b- b- bourgeois, we would, we would call them, yeah, right. I I, for lack of name. a better term. Right. They have beer elitist um, in, the, in the pure sense of the, of the term. These are, these are people that are not slumming it at, um, at, um, heliostat levels. These are, these are whale chasers and, and they, they wouldn't lower themselves to be chasing bourbon county, um, variants around the state. That sure as no, shit won't they be They will find a way to get that in. Yeah. They would not be well, heading into California. Tool. They don't have they don't have to chase it at all. They, it will just show up for them. Yeah. So these, these beer geniuses happen to get on Facebook and here's one of my favorite posts from my friend, Anthony. I will, you know, reserve the rest of his name. Uh, Anthony says, did, okay. Anyone else have multiple air bubbles underneath the wax on double dose? Double dose was a beer. I think I paid $50 for and I haven't, and it's sitting in some guy's house right now. 
I had one under my wax, under the wax of my Palace Pear bottle, and I feel like it contributed to it becoming oxide. Um, so I think he means oxid, oxidated. I, I so believe he so. Is, I don't he think, is I don't surmising. Think the beer is turned into iron because uh, that's so. This man paying, paying a lot of money to be in this beer membership has has created a a hypothesis. And you're you're more of the beer scientist than I am, Tony. You're you're a little bit smarter about beer kind of packaging struck. You've done this shit more than I have. So he is arguing that the air bubbles that are underneath his wax on his bottle. Now the wax, anyone who's had a waxed beer bottle, most of our, you know, fans I'm sure have seen a bottle that's been waxed. There is a cap under that wax. I I will, would like to make that they do not just wax it while it's open. Okay. (laughs) So the beer is capped. And then they wax it. The wax really, I don't know what it provides. It provides, it's fancy. It's something yeah. fancy that it, it gives you a chore to do when you drink the beer. You have to play with the wax and fuck with it until you cut it deep enough so that you can open the goddamn thing. But he, he caught an air bubble under there, and he's surmising that it oxidated his 16% pastry stout. Tony, can you explain why that seems unlikely? Or or maybe you believe that that could have definitely happened. Okay. Let's just explain why you would put a wax seal on, on anything. And that really is just to protect the metal, which maybe, maybe it did oxidize, uh, the metal cap from becoming rusty. That's all it's doing. It's not doing anything to the air around it. A crown seal, a metal crown seal has a plastic coating on the underside and it is designed not to leak air. Putting wax around it won't help that. It's not an airtight seal. It doesn't add pressure if a bubble was caught in that. There is no way that a single bubble caught in a bit of wax could have led to oxidization. Could it led could it have led to a rusty cap? No. It it because there's still a seal right over the top. It's still 100% sealed. It's just stopping the ocean air from rusting a, a can, or, or not a can, a, a bottle top. I'll present that this beer was packaged maybe three weeks ago. So just to make it clear, the, the unlikelihood that I know something can rust if you, say, leave it out in the rain yeah. for a long time. And, you know, I have a car that's got chunks of rust falling off of it, in fact. but um. Uh, that's it's also a 20 year old car so uh, I, I guess I'm 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 theorizing that maybe a couple of weeks even in the harshest conditions might be a little bit might, yeah. it might take a lot more than that for a bottle cap to rust and and let's let's take the wax away could it be oxidized within three weeks yes if it's a haze bomb yes it could oxidize and if that Crown seal didn't work correctly. Neither of these things are highly likely. I, I'm guessing that the pa- the palace that name is hard to say. Palace bear, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that's not a haze bomb because it's been waxed. No, it's a coconut mega coconut stout. Yeah, mm. um, probably fifteen percent alcohol. There are ways where if it was poorly brewed. It could have had oxidization in the brewing process. Highly unlikely. This is a guy 
like we were talking about environmental factors. He's seen something he thought that shouldn't have been there, and then he he's 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 added that to what he's tasted. There is probably no oxidization going on in that beer, but he's just thought there's an <laughs> air bubble, therefore there could be a chance of oxidization. Therefore, I'm going to go looking for it. He probably doesn't even know what it tastes like. Does he know what the wet cardboard taste is? Does he know how it changes the malt? Um, was there? Well, any- and there's there's kind of another element to throw out is that even if you're 16 percent like hyper coconutted diabetes stout, so even if it got oxidized, even uh, and and so say you're drinking this beer. And it is, it has become oxidized somehow. Could you tell? I mean, this is tree falling in the woods to me, right? I mean, do you, when do you get to the wet cardboard flavor? You're like, okay, coconut, hazelnut, uh, a thousand pounds of malt, if not more, you know, thousands yeah. of pounds of malt. Uh, when do I like, and the hint of wet cardboard? I mean, what do you, when are you, I mean, you, you're going to have to battle. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of barriers to you navigating the mistakes that could have been made in the brewing process I here, will s- unless it's soured, you know? Yeah. I will say you are more likely to see it in a dark beer. The oxidization actually happens in darker malts faster. So you are lo- mm-hmm. more likely to see it in big All imperial right. bombs. But there's no way this happened. This was a guy looking for a problem that didn't exist. I also listened to vinyl records, as you as you know, I, I have a million hobbies, and one of them is listening to music the way God intended, and that's on a piece of plastic. Now, you want to talk about um, a community that goes out looking for problems, and there are a million <laughs> solutions to problems that don't exist. They put dryer sheets under their turntable mats because apparently that gets rid of static. There are guys that spend more than I've spent on my entire system for a cable that's under a foot long because it's oxygen free it's gold um coated done in a vacuum these things don't matter they're problems that don't exist but people perceive them to be problems like this guy with his (laughs) beer and it it these are just problems that don't exist but we need solutions to problems that don't exist that's fair i mean i know that if you say recap or repackage or vial up your fancy stout, you will get that nasty oxide oxidation taste. Um, but don't do that. This isn't that this hasn't no. been resealed. Um, I highly doubt you're getting that flavor out of this. So yeah, this guy's just digging around. This problem doesn't exist. And, and he's just looking for a problem he's that isn't there because his package wasn't perfect. And the package doesn't matter at the end of the day. Unless the crown seal was broken and there was no carbonation left, no, that thing isn't oxidized in three weeks. To be honest, the the, the packaging I've seen the most issues with is uh, can fills. People are fucking up can fills out here all the time. They have pinhole leaks or something in them, and then the can folds on itself or whatever. All right, so one one more Facebook uh, treat for our fans here. Uh, this one is from ICBS. It was actually submitted. To me, by our friend Nick, uh, Tony, you know our friend Nick. I sure uh, do. Good feller. Uh, he sends me some good content now and then. Uh, Nick caught this very short post from a, fr- a fellow named Brian. Not our Brian, of course. Um, although it would be funny if it were. <laughs> uh, this was 
this says, um, so this is in the FTISO model. Are you familiar with this structure of post? I am not. No. This, okay. So. This is um, it's just a string of random letters with no terms. Yeah. So <laughs> FT means for trade. Okay. Um, so he is trading a Petro. So Petro Tony is a beer that got released a couple of days ago. Uh, it's from a brewery called Moore. Uh, it's a big barrel aged Imperial stout with coffee. Um, I actually got its companion, which was the uncoffeed version, which is very high rated. I'll say that the, the non-coffee version is like a 4.7 on untapped. Wow. Very, very high. Yep. Uh, I managed to get my hands on that. They only released this next one, the Petro. They released at their brewery, which is in Huntley, Illinois, which is a little too far for me to drive my old rust bucket. Uh, I will not be driving my car up there to pick up the $30 coffee stout. So it's a 16.9 ounce bottle of Petro. Okay. That's what he's trading. Yep. And so he's going to trade you that. But what you, Tony, you know, if you are searching for that, uh, it will have to give up. He is in search of ISO 16 cans of double barrel, very special old DEEF. So DBVSOD is something I did get my hands on. Um, I don't have my hands on it yet, but I have purchased it. So I'm getting it picked up this week uh, from Revolution. It's the big monster of uh, brother of, of DEEF star uh, aged in multiple bourbon barrels for for like 24, 36 months. Uh, I've had it before. It's an absolute dream. It's a big, rugged monster of a stout. Um, it's a, it's my favorite, one of my favorite revolution beers, uh, ever. And this, this, my bro here is looking, I got the one Petro probably cost $30 and he wants to get, that would be 100 and a case, almost no two thirds of a case, $160 worth of double barrel VSOD. <laughs> so that's his trade. So the reacts here are good. Three laugh reacts and a guy who said WTF. That's, that's <laughs> his, uh, that's the response he's getting on this. So I think he's got some issues here. He is the kid, you know, when you're at school trading baseball cards in Australia, it mm -hmm. would have been footy cards or basketball cards. We never got into the baseball cards that nobody ever did a trade with always had a huge stack of duplicates because nobody was willing to trade with him, because he always made what like unreasonable demands, wanting an Alonzo Morning top deck rookie card, and he'll trade you a um, um, Alan Houston regular card. Yeah, like, I'll trade you the check. I'll trade you the check. This is sort of like trading the checklist. It's I'll trade you the checklist for your. Uh, <laughs> For your fucking Larry Johnson, uh, yeah. Charlotte Hornets card, you know, because, uh, well, you, you don't have the checklist, though. You're going to want that. You don't have it, you know, because that's what he's saying here. He's like, you yeah. don't have Petro. I have Petro. All right. You have VSOD. You can keep one can of VSOD, you know, but I have the Petro. So you, then you have both if you get them from me, you know. That's that's essentially what he's trying to do. Yeah, if you got a twenty case, you get to keep keep four. Yeah, this is this is a terrible trade, and um, <laughs> sounds like a terrible human being. Sorry, Brian, if you're listening, um, I, I do think you are a terrible human being. Not not our Brian, Brian Brian Malika. We uh, 
if we thought you were a terrible human being, we would have come up with a better reason than this. <laughs> there are many, many <laughs> reasons why the, we could. Matter, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, but yeah. Uh, we have to keep an eye out for people like this. This is this is an amazing idea. If it was sixteen cans for sixteen cans, fine, or even eight for sixteen, uh, if one was particularly valuable. But I I can see under no world unless you're trading a Petro for a sixteen pack of Natty Light then I could understand it. I mean, I'll say this, DBVSOD, Revolution does not, makes a lot of beer. They make a lot, even their highest end beers come out in volume, right? I mean, there is, there is an amount of it. Yeah. They sold out of all of, all of their DBVSOD in 20 minutes. I mean, that's pretty fast for the amount they made. And it was a two, four pack limit. So it wasn't like you got one, four pack each either. They made enough to give a two per limit. So, um, I mean, I got my hands on it, uh, but you know, it was only because I was on the site at seven forty-five AM being like, come on, I gotta get some of this shit right here. <laughs> but, um, it, it, it wasn't like, this isn't a beer. This is a beer that I would suspect people will be searching for, for years into the future. Cause every year there's one with Rev. So last year it was VSOR. The year before that it was VSOJ. And this year I would suspect it will be this one. Um, this is going to be the one that people are hunting for and is selling for a hundred bucks a can, um, as you get into the next six months. So I, my, if I were anyone looking to do it, I would not do this trade. That's my <laughs> advice. Cause you might be sitting on $1,600 worth of DBVSOD If you've got, if you got 16 cans, I would, and I love more brewing. I think their stouts are very good. I guess I think that a beer like, like this is probably a passing th- fad i would say that's not the right word it's just a beer that i don't think will have the 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 wide exposure and the long lasting exposure and expectation that revolution has from years of success so i would say if you're looking for value stick with the rev you're trading hotness for for a proven race winner like right. this proven, is yeah proven race course yeah this is trading um steph curry for for trey young it's it's just not going to happen, and and yeah, you're not trading sixteen Steph carries for one Trey Young. Terrible, terrible trade. I would, yeah, not what I would do. Yeah, boy, we've got we've gotten deep into the beer nerddom. It's time to get into some fucking silliness and some pointlessness. We, I guess, last week we talked about nuts and we talked about the Chairman Mao, and I made some threats. We haven't done any of that this week. I think I've made a couple threats, but not nearly as violent <laughs> as the last show. Um. But this week, uh, you know, we did talk about nuts. I wanted to make sure we fit some more nut convo in here. And I've put together a uh, another edition of uh, the classic game, Untrapped. I have kicked you into the well yet again. but And this time you have to guess the ratings of some of our favorite holiday Christmas-themed beers. nice untrapped has like a, a more that's more production than i've ever lent to the game itself so um so this edition tony i have named it <laughs> I, i'm going to try to get the name out 
This edition is named Santa's Ho Ho Holes. <laughs> I love it. This this is <laughs> this is what we should have led with. This would have got people in. This is our marquee this is segment. San- ho Ho Holes. Santa's Ho Ho, ho Holes. Uh, I have three beers for you. If you can get two of the three of these in in a mysteriously judged vicinity of the of correct rating, I will free you from your porno laden apartment in your uh, it deep in the well underneath Springfield. Now I have a uh, quick question because yes. you mentioned at the top of the show that our viewers were trapped in a tunnel. Um, did something mm-hmm. happen to you? As a child, where you were either stuck in a tunnel or an underground lair or a cave or or a well, because this seems to be a recurring theme. Our listeners are in a in an underground cave or well. I'm always stuck in a well. I'm sure something happened to me as a child. I can't, as I've said before, I can't remember anything that's happened to me. Honestly, uh, did I get stuck in? Maybe I did. Maybe I'm having sort of recurring dreams of of a sort that are just like being trapped or something or I'm uh, locked in a big hole or something like that. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know, but, uh, that's a good guess. Um, I did never, I never personally fell down a well. Um, but, uh, I'd love to try it honestly, especially <laughs> right now. This is maybe the ideal time to get stuck into it. Stuck in a well would be 2020. Huh? That's my 2020 joke of the week. Bow. You know, that's there it is. But um all right. So this uh, this is Santa's Holes edition of Untapped. So I have three beers here, Tony. These are uh these are all Santa related. Okay. And potentially are either related to his holes or in the vicinity of his holes. Gotcha. So uh and this is Especially disturbing because there's um, a lot of these beers. Uh, it was not hard to find beers that are gross, as we've proven in the past. The one thing that we can say about this this game, it 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 does show that thirty percent of beer names are gross and not clever. Yeah, these are not clever. Um, so here's your first one. This is a classic, actually, Tony. Uh, I actually am familiar with this beer, and and this is sort of how how I got into this uh, concept. Um, I don't like how that came out, but anyways, here's the name of this beer. It is called Santa's Butt. It is called it is from Ridgeway Brewing. It, this is an English brewery. They make a series of beers that are popular and are prevalent in the in the states. Uh, only this at only this time of year, they have a whole set of beers called like bad elf, naughty elf, very naughty elf, very bad elf, you know, so on and so forth. This beer has almost 17,000 check-ins. Um, it's 6%. It is an English Porter. This special Porter is made for winter, rich and warming the way they like it in the North pole. It was inspired by this famous line from a well-loved children's storybook. And Santa sat on his great butt drinking a hearty brew. That is in a line in a children's book. I don't know what children's book that is. I haven't read it. Nothing about Santa's butt came up in children's books, except we all assumed he had a big fat wagon. We all knew that Santa was carrying some some weight back there, but that's about it. So is this a recent invention, or is this a beer that's been around for a while? Are you able to tell oh, me It's been that? around and has... 
seven, has almost 17,000 check-ins on untapped. I mean, this beer has been around for ages. Okay. I Decades. really don't know how to score this, especially being an English brewery. Um, a lot of them are going to be people from England scoring this beer. Um, I don't know what they think of a traditional stock standard porter, which to me, this sounds like it is. Maybe a little high in alcohol for a normal English porter. Um, they say that they say six percent. Yeah, yeah, six percent, which is not huge by real world standards, but we all know how how weird the British are with the with their their beers that get over four percent. Um, where do I put this? I'm going to say this is skirting right around the four. I actually don't think it hits four though. I think this is a Reasonable porter, I think it comes in at 3.86. Tony, I think this game is going to be a tricky one for you. This one comes in at 3.31. Uh, this was a this was a low-rated beer for the amount of check-ins, which makes me believe that it is not beer people are not checking this beer in. It is just lots of people, period. Um, yep, 3.31 for Santa's butt. Yeah. Is this the scoring divide that we have between America and the rest of the we- the world when it comes to beer? Because I see a lot of American beers get rated simply to how I rate beer. They're up in the, the th- three and a yeah. half and above for the most part. Yet I, I see Australians rate a beer and they rave about it, how great it is, and then rate it 3.7. And maybe see, I am. I don't know. I, uh, I've seen this beer a lot in the U S uh, I don't, I would guess that it's getting purchased in the U S purely on a novelty basis. Okay. Um, cause it says, butt on it, which is the only reason I could come up with to buy it. There's no way in hell you get me to buy it. I mean, it probably costs more, it costs more than it's worth just cause you have to import it. It's probably six, seven bucks for a, for yep. a 16 ounce bottle. I'm not doing that. No, it sounds terrible. Sounds like that's the right score for it. Perhaps even lower by this. Sounds like it's a mass-produced yeah. English porter. Yeah. No, thank you. That's my guess. Yeah. So, so that that one is uh, that one that one through you. These are these are tricky because they, it's hard to def, it's hard to navigate the holiday novelty versus the beer. Uh, I guess. Um, uh, I guess the, the 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 value of it from a beer standpoint, like what what is it actually contributing to the to anyone who wants to drink a beer, and what is it just like <laughs> Santa's ass? That's yeah, funny. He's got there, a big there, there carrying no, a big uh, booty back there. There were no alarm bells there, and that that was the scary thing. Like if we're doing something that's ingredient based, it's easy to see when you're yeah. putting mashed potato in a beer to give it a buttery mouthfeel. There's alarm bells there. I can I can take a guess. That's <laughs> There's a sign a that direction. maybe that's not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. If if it's just called Santa's butt and that's the only thing I have to go off, um, it's tough. Okay. Yeah, it's tricky. Well, after last week's rousing success, it was time for me to punish you with something. <laughs> um, all right, this next one I think you're going to like too. This one has a little more more clues in it. This one's called Santa's Salty Nuts. This is just a just a hair down the old. Uh, well, not a hair. It's a different country, but it's in Western Europe. This is the Western Europe edition of the of the game. This is from Amager Brigus Brius in uh, Denmark, in Copenhagen. Um, okay, it's a good beer city, from what I understand. A good beer city for sure. And this is a uh, Imperial Porter. 
8%. This is a keg only Imperial Christmas Porter with a twist of salty peanuts. Uh, it has 693 check ins and 645 ratings. Okay. I, this I'm going to think is actually scored quite well because we were talking about flavor alarm bells. Everything here to me sounds like it's actually an improvement on on a base beer. The only the only hint I'll give you with these with these Danish dark beers they are not American or even Australian tooth seas thick, I would say. They have if you've had a Mickler stout, you know that it has this anise punch to it. Yeah. And I find that to be pretty common with the beers in that part of the world in the Nordics. Um, okay. So I-, I think it's partially because they like the flavor of anise, but I think part of it has to do with just like sort of a dryness that they European stouts tend to have versus uh, American yep. stouts. Now, out of the f- first 10 ratings, can you tell me how many of those were American? That's that's sort of the only thing I've got to really go off. Is that something that you can bring up for me? Because I, I sort of want to know what who's drinking this beer. Is this going to a, a he's, majority he's, American? He's using a lifeline. My man's using his lifelines here. Um, phone. He's phoning a friend. And uh, well, the first rating is straight up. This is. Uh, this is Icelandic written right here. Um, <laughs> okay. Here's some Danish. Uh, a lot of these top 10 ratings are Danish ratings. Now it's keg only. Now here's, oh, here's uh, yeah. a, feller, a feller writing in English. Uh, but I, his name is Mate. So it's got a J in his name. Let's just assume he's, he's Scandi of some kind. Um, nice porter, well-balanced, easy to drink. Surely I dislike the banana taste as in all beers. <laughs> but evidently it comes with a, the type of beer and yeast they use for brewing it. Whatever, it is for sure a proper porter for every occasion. So I would actually assume from that that what they mean by Christmas porter, and I'll say this with Nordic beer. I'm giving you way too much, but it's a good combo. Um <laughs> Nordic Christmas beers, um, so beers in, over Christmas, and we'll talk about this next week, in Iceland and in Denmark, most of the major breweries, the, 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 the macro breweries, whatever you would call those, the two Borgs, make a holiday beer. And it is all pretty much always the same. It is like a red-spiced Belgian beer. So it's an estuary spiced Belgian beer, no matter what. So maybe what they mean by a Christmas porter is there's some kind of Esther Belgian thing. yeast component, yep. right? Yeah, ester component. To this. Okay, that's given me some pause. I still think this is coming in above 4%. Now, with the way that you've spoken about the ratings, mm. it could come in really low. But I, I'm saying that this market knows what this port is going to be. They're expecting that. They're not expecting an American or Australian or even British modern stout. It is designed for the climate. So I'm going to say it just comes in above 4 at 4.02. Tony, I got bad news. I think you're going to be s- stuck in the porno hut for a week here. Um, All right. We, uh, I know, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is getting a 3.57, um, which would surprise me for Amager, but it doesn't because Amager, I, I like the Amager beers, but they just have a, they have a very specific 
thing about them that I don't know if it reads well to everybody. A very, a very heavy anise dryness okay. to them that um, is uh, very distinct. And I like those beers. I've liked their brewery. They they carry a lot of their beers at the Mickler places there, and I enjoy them. But they are very they're very unique. So um, I could see how that might misread. Now I'll um I'll give you uh I'll give you you know some snaps here if you can get this last one right because um, I think this one's going to be tricky. But so we've already gone through Santa's butt and Santa's nuts. Um, uh, we've got one left. It's it's maybe sort of a repeat, but this one is called. Um, Santa's blue balls, um, Santa's blue balls. Now the picture, I, I do want to say the picture is of a sort of an eight bit looking, um, shirtless Santa. Um, he's got the hat and the beard, but he's very square. Um, but he's got his little eight bit nipples out. Some and, uh, man to the action. Big fan. We were talking last episode about getting uh, horny for beer. I reckon There'd be some people, you know, that are into the 8-bit art thing would be getting horny over this label by the sound of it. I would guess there's people who are horny for Santa. Actually, there's a whole song about being horny for Santa. Uh, uh, So it's called Horny for Santa. Um, This one is from a brewery called Smedion Breuse. This is actually a brewery I tried to go to in Iceland. It's in it's in Vik, Iceland. Well, the reason I couldn't was because we would stop in Vik. We were doing a tour of the south coast of Iceland. And Vik is sort of the, the, the port at the very southern tip, I would say, of Iceland. Um, it's a town of like 300 people. And uh, they had a brewery in town. But we would only stop there. Both times we only stopped there for like 20 minutes. And I was like, well, I'm not going to walk from the truck stop or whatever up to the brewery and back in 20 minutes, not going to work. I'm not going to get stuck here in the middle of Iceland. So I just didn't, but, um, yes, yeah, Smidjan Bruyus, uh, or Brugus. I don't know. I can't speak Icelandic still. So, uh, this is a blueberry milkshake pale ale with loads of blueberries. Some good old fashioned gloop action. Yeah. Well, milkshake pale ale, I mean, it's probably in, uh, the only thing. Okay, so that's the description. Blueberry milkshake pale ale with loads of blueberries. When you only come to town once a year, you better get some. So kind of, yeah. you know, a little bit raunchy there, right? Kind of hinting at something there. Uh, although you got blue balls. I mean, that's kind of tough. <laughs> so 4.7%. I thought that was interesting. 4.7%. On the milkshake pale ale okay. from the brewery in the town with 300 people on the southern tip of Iceland. Now, I did see Smidjan beers on tap at in Reykjavik. So that's at least a bigger town than the 300-person town in, in Iceland, right? Isn't Reykjavik the capital? So this, and it's got like a thousand people that live there? It's Well, no, that's, well, they have at least, <laughs> I would say probably in the vicinity of like Hundred thousand, maybe yeah, you know. Yeah, that's probably that's right. It's by it's by by far the biggest city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hundred and fifty-four ratings on this. Hell, half the goddamn town drank this beer, and uh, yeah. So blueberry milkshake pale ale, loads of blueberries, four point seven percent. Hundred fifty-four ratings, hundred eighty-one check-ins on Santa's blue balls, Smidion. Brew goose. How many chickens again? Just 
Run that number by me. 181. Okay. So this they've probably got two kegs sent to Reykjavik to get that number of check-ins. Or maybe maybe half a dozen. I would guess they had a keg. I'm sure they had a keg on in Vic. There are travelers that come in. Like if we had done a different tour, you would stay the night in Vic. Um and you would go, I would have gone to that brewery and eaten, but yeah. yeah. But what you're saying, this is one of maybe four businesses in town, and that's not an exaggeration. Exaggeration. I know what towns of 300. Most of the businesses in town are the truck stop where the people stop for the tours. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they're getting their, their beers into a capital city. Not a great number. Um, I don't know how critically these are rated. I'm going to stick with the theme, although this is probably a curveball. Uh, this doesn't sound particularly promising. If this had been up around the 7.5% to, to 9%, I think it's right in the ballpark. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Is this, is this a half-baked attempt at some gloop? Is it its own thing? I'm really unsure, but I'm going to take a wild stab. I think this comes in even lower. I'm going to come in at 3.25. Tony, I'm going to give you that one because you got within two tenths. It's a 3.43. I think that's good enough for this one. Um, I think you got the spirit of it for sure. Um, Yeah, this one I think has problems. Uh, I don't love the 4%. Um, you know, beer in Iceland was good. They have some very great beers, but the best beers were the much more traditional beers. The beers that Iceland did well were tradi- were more straightforward beers, um, unless you were, you know, Borg. That was the only brewery that could make anything that was sort of in the, in the more modern set, I think. Um, so uh, I would say this, this has some issues, but <laughs> that said... Would I drink it if I had been there right now and I was there right now one year ago? Would I have tried this beer? You betcha, baby. And I probably would have rated it a four and you know it. So um, Santa's Blue Balls. So that's the Santa's Ho Ho Holes edition. We actually didn't get too deep into the holes, but, you know, we were close. We were in the ballpark. <laughs> there was a lot of balls and butt talk in this in this one. So congrats to our fans who have been asking for more of that. Um Tony, you went one for three. That's tough. You're stuck in the porno den for another week. Alas. But at uh, least you gave me lube. I think that's that's the fair thing. If I get two out of three, I get out of the den. One out of three, I at least get lube. If I get none yep. out of three. I toss the I toss the It's all dry. Yeah, I toss the sandpaper. None out of three <laughs> sandpaper is coming down. Um so t- <laughs> tough afternoon, but after last week I thought you did pretty well. Um so Tony, I think we've uh, I think we've covered all of our uh, ob- obligations here. We've said something disgusting. Uh, we've made some empty threats, and uh, we've talked about a lot about a nerd, some nerd shit. So that's pretty good, pretty good one. We we have, and we've run an hour and a half as usual. Oh great! Um, so hey, if you want to get in touch with us, email us beerengineshow at gmail dot com. Check us out on Instagram. Uh, we're at beerenginepod. Twitter. We are at Beer Engine Pod. You can, you know, find out when I release a new episode or when I say something insane. Uh, Instagram post gloop. And like I said at the beginning of the show, get on our Discord. Hit us up on a DMs on Instagram. Hit us up in our email. 
no pressure. You do not have to look at our faces if you don't want. You do not have to talk directly to us if you don't want. You just have to kind of look at what other people are posting, uh, which is what I did on the TAI forums for years. All right. That's just all I did was just lurk on them for ages. That's all I did. Um, never talked to anyone. I don't know if I ever posted on them, honestly. So uh, it's um, you, you can get on there and just and just sort of look at us. So that's sort of our our lack of a comment thread if you want to get out, get a hold of us you know pop me a note i'll get you on the discord uh and check us out on untapped that's another way to get at us i'm griff ad tony is saint Maz. um you can find that on our instagram as well if you need the spelling tony anything else for the fans i think i'm good here that um check pills though really hit the spot for two o'clock in the afternoon yeah i knocked a heliostat off while we were doing this so Wonderful. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will talk to you again in one week from today. Yay. Okay, bye.